Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good middle of the night, and welcome back to Cases of Color. This is episode seven. Um, Thank you so much for all of y'all's support, of course, and on all six of the past episodes. I just feel extremely blessed to have you all here, and I know I keep expressing my gratitude, but I just really am so thankful that something I am so passionate about, you all are you know, gravitating to, commenting to, to everybody who has messaged me, expressed just your love and support. I just want to say thank you so very much. Like I am literally just blown away, like just completely and utterly blown away by the response to the podcast. So yeah, I just wanted to say that. And also I want to give a special shout out to one of the Twitter followers of Cases of Color. And by the way, if you are not following Cases of Color, on Instagram and Twitter. What are you doing? Okay, we are Cases of Color at on Instagram and on Twitter. So please make sure that you give both of those a follow and also make sure you're commenting. Keep the commentary going when it comes to these episodes. And I just want to give a special shout out to my Twitter follower. It's at E-A-R underscore O-N-S, Ear Ons. Also listed as Golden Golden State Killer and True Crime Updates. Um, This page always shows me a lot of love all the time. Always puts things on my radar. Even put me on to, uh, you know, a True Crimes and Color podcast thread that they wanted me to be on and let me kind of see that. And I just wanted to tell them thank you so much, one, for listening, and two, for always showing just this overwhelming support from literally the first episode. Um, And I know that's what your page is all about, but I still appreciate it because you're always commenting, always giving me great case suggestions. I just, my gratitude is overwhelming. I just want to say thank you. So now that I've gotten all of that out of the way, Let's get into episode seven. So today we're going to be talking about a little girl named Bianca Jones. Bianca Jones was from Detroit, Michigan. She was two years old. And Bianca Jones was the child of Benika Jones and DeAndre Lane. She was a very sweet child. She was a toddler. She typically wore her hair in little braids with beads. And she was a precious little baby with bushy eyebrows and a super huge smile. And when you see pictures of little Bianca, she was just so cute. She just literally just had a smile that just radiated the room. And she was just everything. I mean, just everything. Just the most precious little baby. Um, There's not really much to say about Bianca's life, only because she was only two years old. So there's really not... A lot that we can say about her because she barely really got to live her life before she went missing. Um, And there are kind of two sides to the story. And that's why I wanted to cover this story because little Bianca is said to be missing, but she's also said to have been murdered. This is like a like a two parter type of story. So this was in December 2011 when she went missing or murdered. And we'll kind of get into why there's like a two side to this in a moment. 
So let's get back to um, that day in December. So allegedly, DeAndre, which is the father, and by the way, there would be a lot of names, he's and him's in here. I would do my very best to make sure I'm very, being very clear on who I'm talking about um, so that you'll understand. But if I say some of these people's names 50,000 times, it's going to become redundant. So just I'm going to do my very best to make sure I'm very clear on who I'm talking about. But allegedly, DeAndre and his daughter, Bianca, were driving to her mother's house to get her some clothes because he had been keeping Bianca for Benica because Benica was working more. And he said, oh, you know what? Well, I will keep her more days so that you can work so that you can, you know, do what you need to do. But they never made it to the house, at least not together. On that morning, DeAndre shows up at Benika's house and he was just blubbering and speaking very incoherently. He was unable to even speak at all. Honestly, all he kept saying was, they got her. They got her. And he was crying hysterically. It's almost like when someone cries really hard, like if you've ever like gotten... I don't know, like a spanking or you got really scared really bad or something. You got hurt really bad or something like the way you're like, (gasps) like that. Like that's how they described how he was crying at the door. And even in the 911 call, because when he got to Benika's house, her mother was there, her sister was there and her Benika's brother was there. And they were all just like, Tell us what happened. What happened? And Benika's sister, Kelly Jones, she actually got on the phone with police and you can hear her in the 911 call. She is like yelling at him. She is literally saying to him, you have to tell me what they look like so they can start looking for her. What kind of car were they in so they can start looking for her? And you can just hear her father in the background, like just hysterically sobbing. Like he was genuinely disturbed or at least that's what it sounded like he could barely even talk and it was really like kind of frustrating even when I was listening to it because I'm like dude like I get that you're upset but like can you also go in the other version of panic mode like where you realize like it's life or death and you need to say something to like save your child I just I just found myself getting so frustrated listening to this 911 call. I can't imagine how frustrated her family was because at this point in time, Benika's family had no idea what had even happened to Bianca. They just knew that he kept saying they got her, they got her. Like they didn't even have any idea of what happened. When they're finally able to get him to talk, he explained his version of what happened. And his version of what happened is very interesting to say the least. DeAndre claims that he was driving along the road and a car like kind of flashed their lights at him. And so he pulled over uh, trying to figure out what was going on. And someone told him, hey, your taillight is out. Your taillight is out. So allegedly he gets out of the car, leaves the car running. Baby Bianca's in the car. He gets out of the car to go check to go check the taillight. And when he gets out of the car to check the taillight, Apparently, another man, someone who he described as a big black man, gets out of the car and like kind of runs up on him. And he said that he was saying, let me get my baby out the car. Please let me get my baby out of the car. But the man just jumped in the driver's seat 
and then drove off with his daughter in the car. He also claims that he attempted to run behind the car, but that he was unable to chase it down. I don't know how I feel about this story, but I'm going to pick that apart towards the end. So the police found his car about a mile away from where he said that they stole his car and the door was open and Bianca was not in the car at all. Like her car seat was in there, but Bianca was nowhere to be found. So when they realized that Bianca was missing, it took this crime from a carjacking to then a kidnapping. And then that involved the FBI. So one of the things that happened right away is Bonica, which is Bianca's mother, she was very active when it came to finding her daughter. She cooperated with the police fully. Anything that they asked of her, she did. Anything that they wondered about, she answered the questions. She was just very cooperative. She just wanted to get her daughter back. She even went on TV with her other daughter. She had a daughter who was, who I'm going to say appeared to be maybe six or seven. And she took that daughter with her on TV to make a plea. And it was a very sad video to watch the little girl the little girl said that she wanted her sister to come back and as soon as she said those words she immediately started to cry and it was just really gut-wrenching to see it really truly was like watching this little kid just cry like that it was just really heartbreaking because I'm like oh my god this poor baby like this poor baby it's just heartbroken like over her sister and every time seeing the mother talk about her daughter talk about Bianca missing I always got the vibe that she wanted her child back like nothing about her seemed disingenuine and even Bianca's uncle Bonica Jones's brother he also made pleas as well to get her back that he just wanted to come her to come home and that He wanted to see her again. And while all of this is happening, on the other side of things, the police were zeroing in on DeAndre. So they they did not believe his story at all. And they truly believed that he did something to harm Bianca. From the moment that they found his car, they were automatically suspicious of him. And a detective stated that most carjackers don't turn into kidnappers. I will say that I've heard the same thing. And oddly enough, something that I talked about with a friend of mine, you know, typically, like when it comes to people who steal, typically that's their MO to steal. Like most people who steal, even though they're unsavory people, this is not me defending thieves here, you guys, but most people who steal... That's what they are are intending to do. They're not out to kill. They're not out to kidnap. They just want the item that's going to bring them in the revenue that they wanted or whatever the reason is behind stealing. But typically when a child is involved, they will leave the child behind and then take the car. It's very rare that you just come across carjackers that are over here just snatching up kids. You know what I mean? Or or they just go from carjacking to kidnapping, human trafficking, and things like that. Like That's typically not how it goes. And to make it even worse, DeAndre had a rap sheet. He had been in and out of prison and jail since he was 18 years old. And just to give you guys an idea at this point in time, he's like in his mid-30s. DeAndre kind of had a lot of things that were out to get him. You know, he had a warrant out for his arrest at the time that Bianca went missing. 
and it was for violating a protection order. It was like an outstanding warrant. It wasn't like brand new. So basically the police used that to be able to hold him for a longer period of time. And they spent that three-day period interviewing the shit out of DeAndre. Like, there's no other way to word this. Like, they were just on his ass, y'all. And, like, I can't, I can't put it any other way. There are a video of it, and they were literally just like, tell us what happened to your daughter. We know you did. We know that you took her. We know that you did something to her. She deserves to be buried. Like, they were just, like, going in on this man. And by the way, I'm not saying what I believe or don't. We'll talk about my theories towards the end. But what I'm saying is like they were not like taking a mild approach. And again, I didn't see all like the entirety of the interviewing, but they were on it. They flat out told him like, we don't believe you. We know you killed her. Like they just were not letting up on this man at all. But he was not cracking. He was adamant that he did not do anything to his daughter. And you could see that he was getting visibly upset about the accusations there was even one point in time where he got so pissed that he like jumped up out of his seat and was yelling at them like I didn't do anything to my daughter I would never hurt my daughter like going off he was pissed like literally pissed and I I personally didn't know really how to read him being pissed like was it genuine upset or was there something else behind it it was just very I'm not gonna say questionable but it just I didn't really know how to perceive it and once the police started to feel like they had an idea that it was him they pursued that story to no end DeAndre has seven children in total with seven different women. And at the time that Bianca went missing, he was trying to turn his life around. According to his sister, he was allegedly in college. He was engaged to a woman named Angelie Lyons. And they also had a child together that was a little bit older than Bianca. And apparently the night before Bianca went missing, DeAndre had spanked Bianca. And he had this paddling stick, and they took a picture of it. It was approximately two feet long, and he had padded it and then covered the padding with, like, duct tape so that the padding would stay on. Um, And so it wouldn't be, like, him actually hitting them with a stick. His fiancée claims that she heard him paddling Bianca because she had peed in the bed the night before. Mind you, she's only two years old, and I hate to be that person to be, like, overly critical, and I know that some people do physically discipline their children. I'm not trying to have a debate with you guys, by the way, about physically disciplining your children. You do what you want to do um, at the expense of your child, good or bad, because there are people who don't physically discipline their children, and it also affects their children. So just, you know, do what you can handle, but nevertheless, I just, like, that's... She's two. I don't expect a two-year-old to be perfectly potty trained. And I think it's maybe because I'm a mom, because I have three children. I'm just like, I would never expect my kids to be potty trained at two. Like, if they are, great. Like, I'm not going to complain. But I just couldn't foresee myself overtly disciplining my child for peeing in the bed at two years old. You know what I mean? But that's just me. And, you know, Angelie claims that after physically disciplining her that she didn't hear anything else after that and the police theorized that that was the time that he had killed Bianca and that she was dead 
And when confronted with that theory in interrogation, like I said, DeAndre lost it. He said, y'all are out of your mind. I would never abuse my child. Like I might discipline my child, but I would never abuse my child. And that's when he got belligerent and was yelling at the cop that he didn't hurt his daughter in any way, shape, or form. And later on, he was given a polygraph test, and he failed that polygraph test. It came back that he was not being truthful. And his attorney claims that the only reason that he failed is because it was a faulty test. And when asked to elaborate, all his lawyer said is that he claimed what the lawyers claim is that it was administered in an inaccurate way. Now, I'm not sure what that means. My assumption is that maybe it means that, you know, they maybe ask misleading questions, like questions that could be up for interpretation that are not like direct and to the point. That's honestly the only thing I could maybe guess because I can't really guess any anything else. So, yeah, that's that on that. I'm just not sure what that means. And some of the things his lawyer didn't really want to comment on, but apparently he's trying to make an appeal for DeAndre. And I think maybe that's why he didn't want to give away too much because he probably wants to use it um, when he goes up for the appeal in court. So another person who was at the house that night um, in the same evening as Bianca is DeAndre's nephew. And at the time, he said he was about 14 or 15 years old. And he claimed that in the morning, after the police are alleging that Bianca was beaten to death, that he saw his uncle DeAndre put her in the car, like put her jacket on, put her in the car and took him, the nephew. But one thing I'm going to say that stuck out to me when the nephew was talking is that he never mentioned actually talking to Bianca, actually hearing Bianca speak. All he said is that her dad put her jacket on and put her in the car seat. And he never one time mentions her actually talking or saying anything to indicate that she was alive. He just says, I'm 15 years old. I've seen a dead body. I know when somebody's alive, which is really sad that at 15 years old, you know what a dead body looks like. Um, But keep in mind, this is Detroit in the area that they were in was not necessarily the best of areas. But I'm still perplexed as to why he wouldn't mention her talking or saying anything. That's the part that personally for me is very troubling. And in a later interview with the judge, they asked the nephew further and he claims that he knew she was alive because her eyes were wide open and her dad kept trying to stand her up. But that also is weird to me. She's two. She's capable of standing up. So why wouldn't she be standing up? Like, why would he need to stand her up? And again, not one mention of her speak, just seeing her and seeing what her dad was doing with her. But that's it. That same morning that DeAndre's nephew claims that she was alive and that she was in the car after he got dropped off for school. DeAndre's friend named Rico says that he saw DeAndre that morning and he stopped the car like to say hello, like pulled up on the block to say hello and that there was no baby in the car at all at that time. And this is before the alleged carjacking. 
So as you can see, there's just a lot of very conflicting stories. And it really makes me wonder, like, what is the truth and what is a lie? Because it's it's literally all over the place. Like in this case, the information is it's so conflicting. It's so like she was alive. How would you know she was alive? Her eyes were open. I had my baby in the car. I seen him and he didn't have his baby in the car. There's so much conflicting information within this case. It's very troubling. And, and again, it just makes you wonder what is the truth and what is a lie? And there was truly no point to the carjacking being plausible as far as what the cops could see. And on top of that, her dad was not budging on his account of what happened to him and baby Bianca. He was sticking to his story. So there's really no way to navigate around this because there's something very important that's missing, a body. There's no body. To this day, no one knows what happened to Bianca and there is no proof of anything happening to her because her body has still not turned up. And this happened in December 2011. Her body has still not turned up to this day. It's eight years later, you guys. Still nothing. Some of the things that were found as far as evidence was concerned was a drop of blood on baby Bianca's pillow, but that was it. And uh, allegedly, because I've seen some conflicting reports saying that there was and there wasn't, allegedly there was like one drop of blood in the car, but the paddle stick, the one they that the cops claimed that he used to discipline Bianca, that stick had absolutely no blood on it. So if you're trying to say that, oh, he beat her to death, then where's the blood? I mean, there is another side of that, which is sometimes there can be no blood when it comes to blunt force trauma. Like you can make an exterior or excuse me, you can make an interior wound by how hard you hit something in some place. So that could be a possibility. But there's also a cadaver dog that sat at the car and at the bed of Bianca. But his lawyer tried to refute that. He said these dogs aren't very well trained. He said that there's a possibility that maybe the dog had a bad day. Maybe the dog needed to use the bathroom. That there's no way to count these dogs as 99% accurate. And I have conflicting thoughts about that because I have friends and former students who have done canine duties and they do very extensive training with these dogs. They train them often. They go out of their way to make sure that they're doing random trainings with them and things like that. And typically dogs are specialized. Like a dog that sniffs cadavers will not be out here sniffing for bombs. A dog that sniffs for bombs will not be sniffing out for for, uh, drugs and so on and so forth. So I'm kind of conflicted with this. Like I could see where there could be room for error. I'm not saying they're 99% accurate, but I'm also not going to discredit the extensive training they go through with these animals either. So for me, I'm kind of like on the fence with the lawyer's response to the, the cadaver dog's test. So DeAndre was released three days after being held and the police had nothing at all. Like I said, no body, no hard physical evidence, no cooperating witnesses, nothing. And he was adamant that the stick that he used was just to get his kids' attention. He said, you know, I'm not using it to harm them. I'm just using it to get their attention. Like, little pop, like, oh, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. And 
he said that it was not a form of, of abuse. He was not trying to hurt them at all. But regardless of what he was saying, some of the most important people in Bianca's life were not convinced. And that was Bianca's family on her mother's side. Her aunt, her uncle, and her grandmother were adamant that he knows something and he did something to the baby. And even when DeAndre and his attorney went on Nancy Grace, when I tell you Nancy Grace chewed that man up, like snacked on him and his lawyer... She was not here for his story at all. And at one point during the interview, she literally told DeAndre, his lawyer, she said, you're using this as an infomercial for you and your client. And quite frankly, this story stinks. And he won't answer any direct questions about what happened to Bianca. And I went and found when he actually went on Nancy Grace and I watched it. And he presented a very different persona than how he was described by other people and the people that knew him. And... With all the naysayers, there was one person that didn't believe that he did it. And believe it or not, it was Bianca's mother, Banika. In fact, she was actually a star witness for his defense. She said flat out that she does not believe that he did it and that she fully supports him. And she said that her daughter was still out there somewhere and that she's still alive and someone needs to find her. She even said that on the stand at his trial because they took this case to trial as soon as that cadaver dog sat they went ahead and charged him with the murder of Bianca even without a body they used circumstantial evidence for this case and when it came time for his case unfortunately somebody who was not fully on his side was his fiance Angeli she was not on the same boat she claimed that after he spanked Bianca that she did not hear anything else that it went silent and she said that the reason why she didn't go check on Bianca is because she did not involve herself in him disciplining his children she stayed out of it and Believe it or not, her testimony was actually something that really hurt him when it came time for a verdict. Uh, Some other people that testified was a retired cop, and she claims that she saw Bianca at a house that she had to respond to, and it was about a week after the day that Bianca was taken from her father's car. She said that she saw the baby, and she didn't think about it until about two days later. Apparently, when she was at work, a picture of Bianca came across however they get all that information and she said oh my god like that's that's that baby I seen her and she went to the detectives that were involved in Bianca's case and she said that when she went to report it no one wanted to do anything about it they basically told her that they had found their killer and that Bianca is dead she is not missing and there was nothing done about the report that she made and there was also a court court-appointed investigator for DeAndre, and he went to the home that the police officer, whose name is Nikki Gibbs, the one who said that she saw um, little baby Bianca at a house, he also went to that house, and he also said that he saw a child that looked very similar to Bianca. He said that the baby was dressed like a boy and that the eyebrows had been shaved off. And if you remember... When we first started this case, one of the things I mentioned about Bianca, a very defining feature, was her bushy eyebrows. And if you look at a picture of her, she had very thick eyebrows. Your eyebrows kind of change the look of your face. Like the way your face looks is very much determined off of your eyebrows. And he also asked the police to pursue this sighting and get a search warrant for that house. 
and they also shut him down and they never looked into it any further. And unfortunately, they never let this investigator testify. For some reason, the defense never called him as a witness, which I don't know why they didn't, because to have two people that say they saw this child that looks like baby Bianca and that they also reported it at the same time time and that no one did anything about it I just thought that would have been killer evidence so I'm not sure what their thought process was in not reporting it but it definitely could have worked to their advantage for DeAndre's offense so DeAndre says that he is still furious today to this day even hearing him talk on the telephone interview that he did you could just tell he was just livid and he literally had his back turned to the judge at set- sentencing. He even called the judge a liar on his way out. He literally said, you're a liar, like said it just like that. And she called him back and said, you know what? I'm going to, I don't know why you said what you said, but I'm going to let it go because you're probably dealing with a lot. And he got sentenced to life with no parole, life in prison for murder and also got a sentence for child abuse as well. The sad part about this is even though he got convicted, no one knows what truly happened to Bianca and nobody knows because to this day, there's never been a body. There's never been any evidence. So you don't even know what actually happened to this baby. Since the verdict, his attorney is now saying that he believes Banika, the mother, was behind the disappearance of Bianca. He thinks that Banika wanted to frame him or punish him because she was mad at him. And when I say him, I mean DeAndre. I want to revisit the whole house thing where two people claim they saw Bianca because apparently this house belonged to a woman named Patrice Hall. Now, why is who owned this house important? Believe it or not, it's not important for the reason that you're probably guessing it is. It's important because apparently Bonica, the mother of Bianca, is related to Patrice Hall, the owner of the home where two separate people who do not know each other said that they saw Bianca. And DeAndre's attorney does not think that it's a coincidence at all. And I will say that that is some very interesting information to say the least. He thinks that Bonica is involved. And when asked about it, Bonica claims that she doesn't know anyone named Patrice Hall. She says that she's only heard of the name when it was brought up in police reports, but that there were even police reports made that Bianca was seen outside of her mother's house. And Bonica maintains her innocence and said that she has been blatantly accused by even DeAndre's lawyer's office that they have just told her flat out, we believe that you have Bianca, that either you're hiding her from DeAndre or you did something to her to punish DeAndre. And if you would just produce her, it would save us a lot of trouble. Like they pretty much just turned their story in a completely different direction. I'm not gonna lie, I feel kind of bad for Benika's mom because, excuse me, Bianca's mom, Benika, because when she was being interviewed on Crime Watch Daily and they asked her, they said, hey, what do you say to the person who said that they saw Bianca in front of your house? She literally like broke down crying. She's like, the last time I saw my baby was you know, before that day. And I felt, I felt really bad for her. I did because it just, I don't know, something about it seemed so genuine. It just didn't seem very fake to me. Like the, it's almost like the idea of her daughter being so close and, and truly not being so close was like very painful to her. And there was even a theory that Benika was mad that he was going to marry Anjali, 
But Benika fought that allegation too. She said, why would I want to be with somebody who's a cheater? I don't want your situation. It was very, very like petty. And it turns out that at the time of his engagement, that Benika was still sleeping with DeAndre and Angelie at the same time, that they had like some type of threesome ordeal going on. And Angelie states that she genuinely feels that Benika was jealous that he was going to marry her and that the two of them had a few arguments over DeAndre and that she brought up a few other things that, you know, times that Benika had slept with him and other things like that. But I don't truly trust Angelie because she recanted in a way that wouldn't get her in trouble what she said on the stand. And she said, well, I didn't tell the full truth. And she claims that after spank, after Bianca's spanking, that she could hear Bianca, Bianca answering questions. So let's get into theories here. I don't necessarily know how I feel about this case. This case gives me a lot of different vibes. I genuinely feel like there is a possibility that DeAndre killed Bianca, and let me tell you why. I think that if he did kill her, I do believe it was an accident. By all accounts, this man is described as being a wonderful father, a very involved father, a very good father. No one, even the mothers of his children, have ever said anything bad about him. Even Benika, even with his lawyers trying to accuse her, she's still very much been in support of him and talked about how good of a father he is, how good of a person he is. So I don't know if I necessarily believe that he intentionally or with malice hurt his child. Is there a possibility that maybe he swung this paddling stick and maybe it wasn't as padded as he thought? Or maybe because she's two years old, her body cannot withstand what maybe one of his older children can withstand with this paddling stick? I think that's a possibility. I honestly think maybe he popped her and maybe he hit her in the head really hard. And he put her to sleep and in the morning she didn't wake up. I think that is a possibility. And I think maybe he panicked and then orchestrated the whole carjacking thing as a way to cover up what happened to Bianca. Um, I also believe that there is a possibility that maybe he truly did get carjacked and maybe when they saw the child in the car, they decided to take her. Maybe they realized they would get more money off of selling a child than they would off of, you know, getting rid of like a car and scrapping it. There's, you know what I mean? Crazier things have happened. And I think the only thing that troubles me the most about this case is that there was no physical evidence and DeAndre was convicted. And I say that because you know, I think of like the Casey Anthony case and I think of how it was so blatantly obvious that she killed her child because she did. And well, let me rephrase. That's my opinion. She wasn't convicted because there allegedly wasn't enough evidence. So now you mean to tell me that you're going to convict this man and you don't even have a body. Like even with Casey Anthony's case, we at least had a body. We didn't even have a body here. How is Bianca even officially dead how are we classifying this child as dead? We don't have any large pools of blood. We don't have anything. I mean, I'm sure there's a drop of one of my children's blood somewhere in my house. They randomly have nosebleeds. They scrape themselves. Like, I'm sure if you did like a forensic test in my house, you would find a random 
drop of blood from one of my children. Like that's not an improbable thing to find in the house of a parent. So I'm sitting here and I'm wondering how can they truly justify finding this man guilty? And even the judge said that she was very shocked that they found him guilty. She also did say that she doesn't feel like they made the wrong choice. And she also says she doesn't think that DeAndre killed his daughter, like premeditated and on purpose. But she does feel like they made the right decision. But she was also very shocked due to lack of evidence because they did not have any evidence, not even evidence to prove that he was lying about the carjack. Like it's, it was all circumstantial and that's what they got him on. And I think just seeing sometimes people get convicted and then also seeing people not get convicted with still circumstantial, but a little bit more evidence than most, i.e. Casey Anthony. But then you have people like Scott Peterson and, you know, there was the body washed up, but there was absolutely no physical evidence for his wife and they convicted him as well and it's you know what I mean like there's always like two sides to it so it's just very interesting that the chips fell where they may I don't really know how to feel about this I don't want to say that I don't believe he killed her but I also don't want to say that I do believe that he killed Bianca I would just say that I have a lot of mixed feelings about it and a lot of thoughts so We've come to the end of this podcast, you all. Thank you for listening to episode seven about Bianca Jones. If you have any information about her, please contact the number that I'm going to leave down in the description bar below. Please make sure that you follow at Cases of Color on Twitter and at Cases of Color on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And I cannot wait to hear back from you guys next week when we get into episode eight. It's been a